This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Shane Gevard and Fiona Palumbo. It was recorded at Fractured Sauce in Perky Omenville, Pennsylvania. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Fractured Sauce and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Sheen, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Shane Gebbard. She's Fiona Palumbo. Dawn Ranieri's here, and I'm Rich Shane, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. And today, this is this is so amazing. This is We've been trying to get together on this for a while. We're excited. We're here with Fractured Sauce. So this is all part of our Fermented Adventure, and you're listening to the podcast now, and you're saying, wait, Fractured Sauce. It's a hot sauce, right? Yes, but you ferment. So this is where the whole Fermented Adventure comes in. Shane and Fiona, we're excited. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Where and how did all this get started? Um, yeah, it's a... Um, fractured, fractured is a term that uh, is local to the area. It's a form of calligraphy. Also, some very interesting art um, that German immigrants uh, were popular for. Um, and... My family comes from that background, so we thought that the name fit just because you don't normally think of um, that sort of food with heat, um, and we just really liked the uh, the styles and the play on words, so um, yeah, we're Germans making hot sauce. It's breaking from the ordinary. We're Germans making hot sauce. Well, uh, that, that should be on the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So from there, how did you decide to make a hot sauce? How did all that come together for the both of you? It started a while ago, um, just growing peppers. My family uh, was living in Florida, and my dad kind of had a midlife crisis where he decided he couldn't taste food anymore, so he started adding tons of heat, and we were growing Tabasco, jalapenos, habaneros in the backyard, and... Spicy food just kind of stuck for the family. Um, we started farming um, for some different CSA farms um, where you started in. Yeah, we met um, working on a farm uh, in the Allegheny, an organic 
CSA farm. No, what's CSA? What does that mean? That's uh. <laughs> I, this is where I. This is a hard one. <laughs> wait, wait. Community sourced agriculture. Gotcha. Okay. Supported. Community supported agriculture. There you, you think go. I know this. No, see, right, I, you well, weren't ready for that question. I wasn't ready for that one. You studied all up right. on all the varieties of peppers and all that <laughs> other stuff. My pH levels. I got those down. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. So you both met farming. You. Yeah. But. Fiona, did you have a history with your family, or did you have an interest in uh, in hot peppers and hot sauces? Yeah, actually, uh, my dad has always been into hot sauce, had to have some in the fridge at all times. Uh, I grew up in Brazil, where there are different varieties of peppers. Um, jalapenos aren't necessarily the go-to, but he would come home with a bag of hot peppers and some onions and garlic and give it to me and say, make me some hot sauce. And so I would, and the style that I would make was a little bit more like a relish or a salsa, but I definitely got some uh, flavor experience from that. So you're both working on a farm together. How did it culminate or how did it come together for both of you to start this business? Uh, So Shane and his family had already decided that this was something they wanted to do. And uh, we met farming, we started working together, and we started the business four years ago, officially. Yeah, the test garden um, was probably five years ago, and so we started to build our experience and our inventory, and then um, after we finished up on the farm out in uh, Forest County, we went full production mode, started drafting labels, um, built a greenhouse. With, yeah, built a greenhouse, came up with the name. It was the farming was something that we did because it was satisfying. The the hot sauce kind of came as like a side effect, I guess you could say. It it was more something that we wanted to use our farming experience with some, you know, the a product that we knew would be shelf stable, that we could market, um, and people don't get so excited about vegetables, but the the sauce side of it has its whole community. There's the fermentation aspect, obviously. There's the the kind of like rock and roll, you know, side people with like the the expos that we go to and the there's a lot of cult following the hot sauce there's a lot of communal following i mean you can go into supermarkets or and and, and, and it's filled with different kinds of hot sauce you go to you know a strip mall or a strip center i mean there's a a store dedicated to hot sauce with all that competition where did you feel like what was your inspiration first of all you said dad wasn't really tasting or he he was he, he wanted everything spiced up but you know, was there something that you used as an inspiration? Was there a hot sauce on the market? Or was it just family tradition or just recipes that you found that, that got you started? Well, the, the Haunted Harvest is what I like to call our signature sauce. That, that one actually started because we went to this really cool bar in Philly, uh, Varga Bar. And they have their own sauce and it was really unique and different and interesting and so that's actually why we started experimenting with that sort of flavor profile and we wanted to do something unique um we decided to 
not use any gums or thickeners. So we have special ingredients that act as the, the body, the, the, the thickening agent. And so for the haunted harvest, it's pumpkin. And we thought we were super clever that nobody else would have a pumpkin sauce. Turns out everybody's got some iteration, which is the beautiful thing about hot sauce. There's, I mean, we did one with mushrooms. We thought it was going to be super unique for the hot shiitake. So everybody has, you know, the, not every, quite everybody, every, but it's everyone. getting it's gaining popularity as the field, um, mm-hmm. the the condiment field in general has grown exponentially in the last few years, and the hot sauce field, uh, field in particular, um, with shows like Hot Ones and uh, the advent of these expos. Yeah, when are you guys going to be on Hot Ones, the game show? When are yeah, they going to? We want to know. Right. <laughs> Have they, have they called, like, is it like a Shark Tank thing where you have to apply, or... Uh, we've met the people who um, are involved in the selection of sauces for that show. It's a pretty tight-knit club. Uh, we're hoping to get in someday, fingers crossed. All right, so here's the thing. We've seen this show. Eh. It's, like, I just want to see what they're eating or what the hot sauces are. But here's what I'd love to see. If you get a couple and they have to fight, like, argue... They each have to take hot sauce before they start arguing. See the reactions and see how that would work, and hey, then go from there. Let's let's partner up, start yeah, something new. I don't know. This could be a whole different production scenario, or you know, you know, MMA fighting. You know, let them hit a shot of hot sauce before going in the ring, and, and see what kind of activity happens from there. So there's a yeah. lot of, but but that's we're we're going down a wrong rabbit hole right now. So boxing gloves and hot sauce. Yeah. Yeah, I saw something where people, they box and then they play chess in between the rounds. So I think, yeah, I think we could have something there. Take with some the hot, hot sauce, sauce shots. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's no telling where we could go with the hot sauce, but it's, it's really wanting to see your hot sauce featured on, on these shows. Oh, so yeah. go from there. So the Haunted Harvest was your signature or was your initial sauce. Mm-hmm. Thickening agent was pumpkin at the time. Mm-hmm. And your real thought, or from what I gather, is this got, this got to be all natural. No artificial flavors, sweeteners, colors, anything else. And I think from your background of, of farming, you really wanted to go with utilizing the all-natural essence of all of the foods that were going in the bottle, right? Yeah. Um, our combined interest in food and farming resulted in the hot sauce. Uh, I got into farming because I wanted to learn to grow my own food and... Once you get into the small farm world, you realize that it's a tough way to make a living. Farmers have to be good at everything. They have to be growers and sellers and transportation and just all the things, a hundred different vegetables. It's a tough way to go. It's a real ball and chain. Um, So we wanted to do something related to farming, but we also wanted to give ourselves a little more flexibility and doing a value-add product, especially one like this, where we could go directly from harvest to shelf-stable storage, really made sense for us. And so uh, that's what we've been doing for the last few years. We have a few peaks of activity in the season when we're planting the, the pepper plants, when we're harvesting, a few other things in between, um, obviously the cooking. But the growing part is minimized so that we can focus on production and the business side as well. So you started with all right, so you're, you're starting with the growing. You're growing all your peppers that you use 
I'm sure that some of the other ingredients you're buying from local farmers or you're consigning them to grow what you need to grow. How does that work? Um, a lot of the other ingredients, uh, in some cases, we just get them through commercial venues. Okay. Uh, some of this, you know, for the sake of expedience, it's good to have uh, just consistent quality. And we found, we did try early on to grow more of the things. The first year we grew a lot of the squash that went into the sauce, uh, but that very quickly became um, more than what we wanted to focus on. It was just hard to do all the things at once. So we simplified a little by going through some more traditional avenues for some of our ingredients, but the peppers have been grown on our farm and then we also use that space to grow some of the other ingredients that are not as easily accessible. Uh, for example, we grow the ginger for our sauces and you can buy cured ginger from China at cents on the pound, but we use fresh ginger. It's uncured, uh, just single season harvest. And there's a brightness to it and just something about the flavor that makes it special and unique that you can't get anywhere else. Um, another example would be pipicha, which is the herb that we use to flavor our verde sauce. Uh, a lot of verdes are flavored with cilantro, but this was one, uh, this is a Mexican herb that's uh, native, people forage for it by rivers. It's not as widely known. Its growth habit is closer to rosemary or lavender, uh, but it's got some cilantro to it, but a whole bunch of other flavors um, and aroma combinations that just make it much more interesting. So we chose to just focus our attention on growing the things that really matter and make a difference to the sauce. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. Uh, we didn't buy the land, well, the property for the quality of land. It's a lot of clay. Um, the peppers don't care. They'll grow in anything. And the more they get abused, the hotter they get. Um, but See, maybe that's why my hot peppers that I grow don't come out very well, because I don't abuse my peppers. Yeah. <laughs> You're just I, too nice I coddle them. I, I talk to them. I, I be not, I'm nice to them. So what you're telling me, Shane, is that I, I really need to start abusing my peppers. Yes. Okay. So pest damage will make them hotter. Drought will make them hotter. I mean, we had a hailstorm come through. I don't think that affected them too that much. Heat. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's um it's tough. Uh, it's there's two seasons here. It's either wet or bone dry, and um, there's a few days in between where we can plow the fields without it sticking to everything or you know, it, it, when it's so dry, you can't get an implement into the ground. Now, we did have a drier summer this year. Mm -hmm. Now, did that positively affect your peppers? Is it like um, with with wine? I mean, is, are there vintages to say, these, this is going to be a good year for habaneros or other, other pepper varieties? It's tough. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you're an aficionado and you, you bite into one pepper from one season and another from a, you know, a, a different climate or area, it, it, it does affect them. But it's, it's tough with the pain. You can't really <laughs> tell too much of a difference. Um, but it, yeah, it does, it does affect the plants. Um, we're trying to get to a point where we're tilling less, where we're, we're, um, keeping our beds shaped and uh, adding back to the land more. Um, we want to 
do next year with more permanent ground cover and um, just really try to work with the land because as soon as you start fighting it, you're never going to win. And uh, the less work we have to do as farmers means the more time we get to do advertising and selling and overall, you know, the, Fiona was talking about the quality of life aspect. You know, I, I want to do this for the long run. I don't want to burn out in 10, 15 years. So hopefully, hopefully we start reaping the rewards of our practices here soon. So. All right. So you're growing here, you're growing your peppers, you're growing some of the other ingredients that you find unique and important for you to use. What's So you harvest the peppers. What's the next step to making a sauce or what's the next step for you to make your sauce? Uh, we begin harvesting around August. Um, we wait till the peppers are fully red, which is something that not everybody does. Um, commercially, that's another we- reason that we grow. Commercially, if we were to buy jalapenos, uh, it's a lot harder to find fully ripened jalapenos. The green ones are the market standard. So uh, once they turn, we start harvesting and then we have to pick all the tops off of them, which is really fun. We have a lot. Now, of- what's that like? You're both laughing. So, what is it? Are you wearing like that's like rubber gloves it's and not that- eye shields and? Yeah, it's just time consuming and tedious. You have to pick up every single pepper and pull that little green top off of okay. it. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of sitting around watching TV while you pick the peppers. It's not all bad. It's just uh, pretty repetitive and tedious, and we do it for a good couple months straight pretty consistently um so we'll pick the tops off the peppers and weigh them out we do 15 kilos of peppers per bucket so we use five gallon food grade buckets and we put the peppers through a grinder with salt and close them up with uh lids and an airlock and then they go now down. That's to what we our, saw. That's what we saw in your production facility or your 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 holding area, right? Yes. So so they go in there and they just sit there. Then what happens? Uh, they go into our mash cave and they start doing their fermentation thing. Um, now what what causes again? You need sugar and yeast to ferment, or what's the real process of fermentation? So we do a natural fermentation. I know people. Um, in the industry who will actually pasteurize their peppers at a, s- a certain temperature, uh, around 160, I think, is the minimum. And then they introduce a culture. Um, we don't do that. We use the natural uh, yeasts on the peppers, which starts a little slower. It's not as active in the beginning like you would see with something like a, a wine that has a lot of sugar and you introduce the uh, the yeast to it. But we the first day is slow. The second day, you start getting more activity. And then it kind of reaches a peak around a week and a half and then slowly tapers off to, at around uh, like three weeks to a month. Um, but it's using the natural yeasts that are present on the... the so you're taking um, wild yeast that are just in and around where this farm is. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. Now, I know a little bit about wild yeast, and that's, there's a fascinating part of that. How is there any control? It could be any 
any different season, you could get some yeah. different yeasts that are prominent in, in and around this area, right? Yeah, I've, I, I would be really interested to look and see what we're getting. Um, we've had very consistent activity. Um, we do something unique uh, where when we finish mixing in our salt to the mash, uh, we layer it and mix it in as we go. And then when we're finished, right before we put the lid on, we do take a certain portion of that salt and we, we layer it on the top. And what we found with that is it really cuts down on some of the more prevalent like penicillin type molds. We do, we do get some bloom on the surface and that's just normal, but it's, it, I've only seen white, you know, penicillin type. And it's almost nothing at this point. We've gotten it down with the, with the salt cap. It it creates it keeps some moisture from that top where the I guess the lid would meet the peppers, right? Yeah, it creates a barrier as well. Like things won't get past the salt, yeah. uh, and then um, the salt reacts with the peppers as well to um, draws out fermentation going. Draws out the moisture, and that's pretty much it. It's a pretty straightforward process as far as the fermentation goes. Now, now the in the in the cave down there. Um, You've got a bunch of barrels and these these buckets, and you've got some that go back to. I guess you just finished two thousand eighteen, so these sit there. These could sit there for well over a year, right? Before you introduce them and make them into a hot sauce. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. We we read a study a while ago. I, I wish I remembered it, but they analyzed the. Uh, or compounds inside of long-aged fermented peppers versus shorter-aged. And it's right around the six-month mark that they start getting into the more complex umami-type flavors. And um, what we found, too, is uh, some people will skin them, or th- they do have a thin wall on the outside, almost like a tomato would. They're in the same family, but Sometimes you can see it, and when you go through that longer age process, the the acids and the salts start to almost make those uh, like tougher um, parts of the pepper more smooth and consistent. And when we do our initial blending, right when we open a bucket, you can see it. It, it comes out almost like ketchup. Like it's this beautiful, like creamy. A uh, real smooth texture to it, which um, is something unique that we really enjoy doing. Yeah, so you get a bunch of great flavor properties from the fermentation process, and then also just the change in the texture. So it breaks down the walls of the peppers, breaks down the skins. Uh, we still got seeds in there, but it just makes for a much more uniform, smooth sauce. And you don't have, with, with uh, sauces that you make from raw peppers, you've always got that issue with sort of the solids separated from the liquids and that kind of runniness and even separation in the bottle. Uh, we get a lot less of that because of the fermentation process. So that's, all right, you just answered a question. Because in most cases, I don't have to shake your bottles. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Whereas some of the other hot sauces, especially some that are, that are more known and commercially made, you have to shake those up a little bit before you, uh, you can use them. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the great advantages. And that's one of the things that really does make our sauce unique. There are a few other sauces Proprietary out there. Proprietary secrets. <laughs> 
Yeah. And there are some other brands that also do fermented sauces, but we haven't come across anybody who ferments as long as we do. In some cases, it'll be, you know, a couple months, a few weeks. Um, and this is definitely longer. Tabasco is probably the best known fermented hot sauce. And that was actually one of the, I guess you asked as far as like inspirations for sauces. I know that, um, your dad did some research with that and was definitely interested in the Tabasco process and, you know, they're a heritage, uh, company and they've done really well and they have this process that they've done for years and years. So they've really got that side down. Um, although I think the comparisons end at the fermentation point. Yeah, it, was, it was interesting though. He, he actually was able to find one of the original scans of his notes, the McElhaney, the, the founder had like an entry in his diary and he was discussing the, the salt content and the time and the, the bloom, even the, the, the sort of the more biological, you know, side effects of the ferment. Um, but they do a salt cap as well, more on top of the barrel. Do, and so in the aren't they using wood barrels in Tabasco? Yeah. So which got me thinking for you, would you take a used bourbon barrel and maybe age some hot sauce? Have you talked about that? Is something that you know for for those bourbon whiskey drinkers out there? Yeah, what do you think? We actually have have some friends uh, in uh, Washington State who do a fermented hot sauce in barrels specifically. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not as long of, as a, of a ferment, but they specifically but do is it, it in used bourbon barrels. Bourbon barrel? Okay. Yeah. All so right. that, so that they stole my idea that. just now. We did some experiments as well <laughs> with putting uh, smoked wood coils into the buckets with the fermentation process, but I think that result was a little extreme. It was interesting. Yeah, this is like but you, you, you get to experiment, yeah, and and to see what comes up because I'm looking at what twelve bottles now, um, ten, ten, okay, yeah, right. quick, ten sauces, quick math. <laughs> but you know that's that's the wonderful thing for what you get to do, and with the long fermentation process, you get to see how things interact and how things play together, and I think that from what I can see, it excites you to just kind of go through the. The, the, the investigation process, the, the, the trial and error, right? To yeah. see what's going to work. And coming up with new recipes is definitely the fun part. I think, you know, the way we've done that, um, I think the Haunted Harvest was the one that was in development the longest. But since then, you know, we knew we wanted a Verde and we knew we wanted a few of these other uh, flavor profiles. So getting in the kitchen and trying out a bunch of things and matching ingredients. That's, yeah, just that's where you, you have fun. people that volunteer to, to be right. testing. Yes. Lots of human guinea pigs. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a good circle of uh, friends and family. Uh, we've, we put together pretty well developed, uh, sheets with rating systems for figuring out which are the which are the favorite um and actually this year for the first time we had uh someone new develop a hot sauce and then um have us produce it or produce it with us it's a friend of the family who is also a kitchen tinkerer and so he came up with this um nice pear sauce which is 
cardamom pear and a bunch of other special stuff. You can you can make your own beer. You can make your own wine. You can make your own cider and mead. But you know, with some of these companies, if you want to do that, this is this is along the same lines for you. Hey, come up with an idea. Come into our lab, and yeah. and we'll make it happen. And that's yeah, that's the cool thing. Um, like we were discussing earlier, is that there's a lot of hot sauce out there. Um, there's people all over um, the U.S. You know, has been growing just crazy over the past 10 years, but everyone's got their own different take on it. So our, our firehouse garlic is a standard Louisiana style, but it's ours and it's, you know, it's unique and people like to try something they haven't had before. It's the same thing with craft beer. You know, it's, it's tough to really have a favorite because they're all really good. All right. Now, how are we going to taste these? <laughs> this is this is one of the things I've been mulling over all day as far as trying to. Uh, we're going to taste hot sauce. Oh, yeah. So it's 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 not like you know drinking beer on the podcast. We've never now we're doing we we've done brewskits, we've done dog biscuits, but that that <laughs> yeah, that that's doesn't. That's what I heard actually. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily impact as, as as hot sauce would. Now Fiona, are you organizing in? In, in temperature scale? Yes. Okay. Because that is the best way to taste it. If you start at the hot end, you don't really taste anything else going back. So down. you want to keep your tongue... This is like you go from white to red, from from more of a dry to a bold, from dry to sweet. Yeah. Okay. And then it's also very interesting um, to notice how the different peppers react. Um, for example, a habanero... You just get like that full frontal heat right on the end of the tip of your tongue as soon as you taste it. And that's one reason why it seems very hot. Whereas some of these hotter peppers, like ghost peppers, Carolina reapers, they're a sleeper heat that kind of comes in at the end. So you get all that flavor first and people will taste it and be like, oh, this isn't very hot. And then they'll be like, oh, now I feel it. And then they feel the full effect. So that's kind of interesting, too. Um, in a way, we are doing our own hot ones because <laughs> they start with the lighter one and then they work their way up, right? So we should have up. wings. We should have yeah, done... Yeah, we should. <laughs> we, 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 we should have brought wings. <laughs> now, you, you, we talked about the fermentation process. We, we talked about from where you are in that bucket. Are you then... You, you, how does a sauce become a sauce after that? Uh, there's a few things that every recipe kind of needs. Um, because we don't do a brine fermentation, we just do a straight up mash fermentation. Um, we have to add some liquid to it and we need to add vinegar anyway to stabilize the acidity. Uh, and then a few other things, sometimes we need a little more body, and so we have kind of the thickening agent, like he mentioned, the pumpkin or the carrot or the tomatillo, um, and that's pretty much it. Vinegar, well, yeah, we have thickener. Our, we have our master sheets for recipes, so we cook in, I think they're 80 quart, 60 quart, 60 quart pots, um, which is pretty much the limit for what we can safely carry from one cooking surface to where we bottle. Because it's heavy? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> they get heavy. We haven't spilled one yet, but it's 
probably going to happen eventually. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would hope not, because that's going to make quite yeah, a mess. That's going to make a mess. I've, yeah. heard some, I've heard some horror stories from the and, guys. And, and then you get all that hitting the floor and all that oh, yeah. going in the air, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, we get enough of that when we're uh, washing dishes after a cook. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you immune, more immune to this? Do you grow up in it? Do you grow in immunity? How does that work? You can grow in immunity. Um, the uh, the cooking process is fine. It I mean it smells good. It's it's not too intense at all. Um, the trouble, like Fiona was saying, comes in when you go to wash your utensils or pots. It's because then you're you're getting the oils in the air. Something right? about it doesn't matter if it's cold water or hot water. As hot water is worse. Uh, yeah, Fiona Fiona coughs a lot more than I do, but it. <laughs> It, the water the water hits it. I think yeah, you're right. The the oils get taken up in those little droplets and mist, and then they just I mean they hit you at the back of the throat like right away. And, Clears your sinuses, uh, makes you cry. Yeah, it, it can. Yeah, you can cough so much that like it makes you a little sick. And then the grinding as well. When we're throwing peppers into that big grinder, there's a lot of uh, heat released in that too. Dust. Jalapenos are pretty tolerable. Habaneros are rough. And then with the super hots, we didn't even want to try. So we actually smoke all of our super hots and then rehydrate them and put them in the. All right, so we're gonna go on a little bit of a tangent right now. So how do you so how do you smoke the peppers? Do you have a, a smokehouse here on site, or what do you do? Yeah, we um we're well, I really really like to do stuff in the smoker. So it's. It's something that we've been learning a lot about over the years, and it's just getting easier and, and more consistent. But we have uh, racks that we organize in a wood smoker. It's, it's about the size of a, like a small shed, and then a wood-fired uh, barrel on the side that sends the smoke up underneath. Um, but... Um, we're going to be redesigning it now. We're going to be building a kitchen, and I really want to um, change it up. Uh, but it, it's it, it's nice. It the super hots are so thin that they dry out real quick. Yeah. How long does it take to smoke a pepper? Does it take a day, uh, an hour? The jalapenos um, take a lot longer because gotta, their walls are thicker. You got to go slow. Okay. Um, Is there a specific wood that you've now gravitated towards using? Yeah, I, I really like maple just because it's easily available for where we are. Um, and the um, you got to get the fire burning clean and hot. Uh, you can't really have them in there, so you got to kind of prime it. And then uh, we cut them in half for the jalapenos just because they're so thick. Um, we don't do anything to the uh, super hots because we don't want to open up that wall and expose ourselves to the to the, the those oils um so they go on the top shelf and then we we kind of rotate them around to keep the heat consistent and the smoke even but um when we when we go to cook we we do wash them so we get a little bit of that outer layer because um the store bought chipotles are pretty mild in terms of smokiness um ours tend to have a little more well a lot more of that um smoky profile but washing it kind of removes some of the more um you know up front i love understanding and, and, and sharing the process as people get to know you and your sauce 
really what goes into every bottle and the detail and the attention to detail that you're taking on every step that just that just makes us even better it's i want to say it makes it even more better but i don't think that's possible <laughs> but it makes it more better so what are we going to try first all right. Well, we have a couple new sauces. All right. Uh, I'm not sure if you've tried these yet. Let's say no. <laughs> All right. Well, you in too? I am. Okay. So uh, this is our muqueca. Muqueca is uh, actually a Brazilian seafood stew. And uh, I think I mentioned I grew up in Brazil. And so I have familiarity with a lot of these flavor profiles. This one doesn't include any seafood, but it's got some of those uh, roasted vegetables, coconut milk, a little coconut oil, uh, that style. And we made a real effort to keep this one mild. Uh, when we first started, we one of our production standards was that pepper was going to be the first ingredient in every sauce. And that was a quality call. But if that's your standard, you're never going to have a mild. <laughs> right, because you're always introducing pepper, always, pepper, pepper, exactly. right? Exactly. So we kind of broke that a little bit so that we could fill out our heat range. Uh, and this one's pretty nice. My 10-year-old nephew loves it, so I think we hit it with a mild. So this is the way to taste pepper sauce, right? It's a good way to do we it. Can, we can share this. <laughs> no? We've done it. <laughs> I don't know. Up to you. Um, I feel like I'm getting on a roller coaster. And, and we're approaching that first hill because it's hot sauce. And, and Shane's over there, like, he's just getting all smiley, just yeah. waiting for us to kind of hit the hill and go down, right? It's, it's, this one is uh, mm. training wheels. Wow. Yeah, it's not, not going to be. I'm so glad that you talked about the seafood aspect because you do get, I, I don't know if you just made that suggestion in my head once to think that, but this tastes like a seafood soup. Yes. This so is wonderful. And it, you're right. It's got a little bit of, uh, I get a little bit of burn on the back of my mouth, but a lot of that sweetness and, and, and the, the seafood brininess was, was right there. Yeah, so that brininess is actually olives, which is a little bit of a cheat. Okay. <laughs> but it works. Uh, in fact, I have a good friend who's also Brazilian, and she always puts olives in her muqueca, which is not the standard, but I love it. It works, and it made this sauce unique. That's that's wonderful. Because that's sort of the thing that your family does differently, right? Just yeah. All... See, this is where you take that culture, German and Brazilian. I mean, yeah. and you mix it together, but you really bring a lot of different flavor profiles to what you are producing, right? Yeah. And history, and 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 just you know traditional foods. So that's pretty. I don't. I don't know. I, did, I I'm not familiar with a moqueco uh, hot sauce. Yeah. So this would be the first one that I've been introduced. It's to. hard to describe when we go to shows. I, I don't really know how to explain moqueca, but it's you know kind of. I, I like to say a Caribbean curry, but it's 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 very unique. Yeah, it's kind of its own thing, but it's definitely you know how a lot of countries have their own unique curry iteration. This would be the Brazilian curry. But we said iteration. we said wings. I could see you doing wings just because it's chicken. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to gravitate towards seafood, but I could certainly see that and, and, and taste it with mussels and uh, shrimp and and different things that would just really absorb and and really carry that forward. Yeah, like I want a pa paella now, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
basically, basically you take this or a, a, a sauce that tastes like this, and then you just throw in whatever your seafood is, and that's it. It's delicious. It is really um, So we also, we've been trying, I think it makes sense to do kind of a unique ingredient for every sauce. Not every single one has a super unique ingredient, but it's something we've been doing pretty consistently. And this one is sumac. 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 So now what else? There was something else that we talked about that we're using sumac. I, I, one of the other podcast interviews that we had. Okay. Yeah, so this is interesting because sumac could be poisonous. There's poisonous sumac, and then there is, uh, yeah, there are different varieties of sumac. Um, this is not the poisonous this one. This is not the poisonous Let one. Let everyone know. Yes. We Let didn't come know. here to fracture <laughs> to, to, to be poisoned. So sumac is actually a really old uh, ingredient. It was used before limes were introduced as the main form of acid- adding acidity to food. Sumac was used in Middle Eastern cuisine and Native, other cultures. Native American as well. They would use it on a lot of roasted meats. And yeah, it's, it's, to add that acidity. It's like a tart. Yeah. Sour almost. Mm-hmm. And it's native to our area, which is really cool. And I think it's gotten a little more trendy lately. A okay. lot more people are aware of it. Well, especially if you're doing it. You're, <laughs> you're setting the trend. So this is roasted cauliflower, sumac... And a jalapeno base. Now, to give people an idea of we're, we're tasting the hot sauce and you're giving us samples that are about the size of a dime. Now, I'm sure as we start to work up to the hotter ones, the change is going to be a little smaller. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how you feel. Okay. You start to get used to it and then you can start to taste more of the, the different flavors. So... Is it the seed that I just got that's a little crunchy? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, too. A little, probably. Possibly. They, um, they, they get a little softer through ferment, but I know some people complain about the seeds. I love the seeds. It, it's, yeah, it, well, our motto is seed to sauce. Um, and I think it just adds something unique to it. it they, they do hold the heat. That's where the, uh, the plant produces its capsaicin is right next to the seeds. So... I like to keep them in. So the sumac on that would be the acidity that we taste on the hot sauce right now, right? Yeah. That, that would be that one. And then you get, there's no sugar added, but there is that there's little bit of sweetness. Yeah. Uh, and that's the roasted cauliflower. It's a, it's a nice mild hot sauce, but again, there's a lingering, a tingling, 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 lingering. On the on the tongue. This is this is this will be fun because we're not drinking, but this is really starting to affect our senses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you'll be uh, oh, it, you'll have a full on endorphin rush by the time. It's All right. Done. So now now the sample is the size of a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> a silver dollar. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Actually, after a while, you when we go to these shows, you can see people walking around and like, they have this look on their face where you know your eyes get a little wider. You can. You know, you you feel different. It 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 kind of it it really is a thing. Like the the whole uh, endorphin rush for 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 the hot sauce. Oh yeah. Yeah. On the mild end, you know, medium mild to medium. There's the flavor and the spiciness is nice. 
When you start getting into the super hot stuff, all those crazy chili heads who just can't get it hot enough, they're not after the flavor. They're after the endorphin rush, and that's that's how that works. Now, this is the verde. This is the papicha. Am I saying that correctly? This yes. is the papicha that you're growing on your farm. Now, again, verde, as you pointed out, would have cilantro, but the flavor that you're really front and center is the papicha. Yeah, and so this is actually uh, one of our favorite sauces because... Of all the sauces that we make, we grow every single thing that goes in this one, except for the vinegar and salt. So we use garlic scapes instead of whole clove garlic. So you get a little, you get some garlic flavor, but it's more subtle. It's not as sharp. The we ferment the tomatillos as well. So it might be a little saltier than some of the other ones because both of those elements have salt in them. Uh, so you end up with a really bright, kind of tart verde, which is, uh, yeah, all right. I, I like the fact that, like, when you say verde, my mind already has this opinion of what it should taste like. And it really has a very unique character to it. As you said, there is a saltiness uh, that, that you do get on the palate. But I like, I've, I've never had papicha before. But I think that should become a daily routine. Um, there's yeah. a lot of stuff you can do with that as well. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just wonderful. All right. So this is nice pear. This is the one. This is the, this is the um, you're, you're, you're bringing in somebody else. This is a guest uh, experimenter. A guest maker, or, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he got really gourmet with this one. It includes vanilla paste, rum. Oh wow! Cardamom, cardamom, pear, ginger, ginger. turmeric. You you get those you get the the the, the, the um, cardamom and the ginger all on the nose. That that's very prominent there. Also, we aimed for this one to be a medium, but the heat in it is habanero. This is our first batch that we ever cooked as a production batch, and it ended up on the hot side a little bit. So we might take that heat down a little in the future so that it actually is medium since we already printed medium on our labels. Uh, but just, just so you know, <laughs> I should have done, we should have done the before and after shot of my, my head. I, I find that when, when we do, when we do include your sauces, I get this little, this, this little shine on my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy, a healthy glow. That's, that's common. Oh, that's good. Wow. So this yeah. one could actually be a dessert sauce. You can put this on ice cream. Big okay. Shout out to Joel. <laughs> Joel Homan. Yeah. He really hit it out of the park there. And I, I will say that you get different layers. I, I want to try to find the rum there. Um, I'm not sure it, it's there, but it, it's probably helping to create or amplify other flavors. Yeah, but I, you do get that vanilla, the kind of just that sweetness there. Um, and, the, and the spiciness just kind of plays around the, the cardamom and the turmeric. That that's just awesome. Yeah, I know. One one compliment we've gotten on this sauce is that it's you know some of them have a number of ingredients, but they're all clean enough that you can taste the individual flavors while also getting that combined effect. So that's nice. It's kind of what we're going for. I think. We definitely stand out on quality of ingredients and quality of process. And 
I think that comes out in the flavor. Now, you do have two different versions of the Haunted, yeah. right? Now, what makes the, them different? So this is the original, and the heat is only jalapeno. So there's jalapeno, and then there's also chipotles, which is also jalapeno. But <laughs> They're smoked jalapenos. Smoked jalapenos, right. yes. Uh, and so you do get, uh, you taste the sweetness a little bit more. So this one is going to be a little sweeter, but still the same balance of heat and smokiness. Yeah, and this one's got um, a lot of, you know, it's a real fall sauce. It's got apple cider, pumpkin, uh, cinnamon, some of those other fall type spices. But it goes so well on meats, grilled foods, burgers. This stuff on a burger is really it, It's good. got like a, a ketchup nose to it a little bit. Yeah. A, a sweetness, tomatoey sweetness to it. One of the things... We talk about with, you know, you know whether it's um, bourbon or whiskey or gin or different things that you nose first. And I wouldn't think to nose a hot sauce first, but you, you do really get to understand what goes into and you start breaking down some of the different spices and different flavor profiles. Yeah, we try to, we try to keep um, – mm. if we tell you it's in the sauce – we try to make sure that you can taste it, which is something that um, we get a lot of compliments on, and I'm happy about. So I'm actually going to skip the heat level. Okay, so we can we can kind of compare to the haunted harvest with ghost pepper. This one not only has uh, habanero as well; it's equal parts habanero and jalapeno, uh, and then it's also got the smoked chipotles and smoked ghost these pepper. Across this way. <laughs> Not after <laughs> yeah. after now, I'm starting to get inebriated on uh, hot sauce. Like, oh, this is a good way to do this. Uh, so, so this one is it should be a little bit spicier than the one we just had. It's right? going to be a little spicier, not crazy hot. Now, I get I get I, more I get more I guess more peppery on the nose, and and maybe a little more vinegar on the nose than I did on the other one where I smelled like more of a sweetness or a tomato ketchup yeah. kind of a nose. The sweetness isn't as prominent. It's still sweet, but that tartness comes through a little more. And the habaneros really add something. There's that fruity flavor that is part of the chinense profile of a pepper that I think so much so that this is the one that we've won two awards on. Yeah, I was going to ask you, this is, this is an award winner. Who? So yes. where have you won awards with this? The... Um the 2019 New York Expo, um, they have a... This is the Food Expo at the Javits Center or something totally different, unique to hot sauces? Yes, it is one of the funnest hot sauce shows you can go to. It's like a, like we were saying earlier, like a rock concert. It's, it's run by a man called, uh, named uh, Steve Seabury. He owns High River Sauces. Um, and it's two days, usually in the second week of April. Um, now, Shane, is this something that's just unique and closed to hot sauce makers, or can the public go as well? Oh, yeah. You can you can go. Uh, they have VIP tickets. Uh, Sean Evans goes from Hot Ones. Um, people from Canada all the way. I, I saw someone there from Australia, New Zealand. I mean, it, it's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, they have an award called the Screaming Mimi Award. Okay. Um, they have... 
uh, different categories for second and third place, and then they have a, an expo uh, overall winner. But their judges are chefs and food bloggers and all sorts of other people uh, in and around the New York area. And then we uh, won another award, another second place award at the um, Albuquerque Hot Sauce Show, the Fiery Foods Show. Um, and that one, I forget the category. The SCOBY? The, oh, a SCOBY, yes. A SCOBY. So that's, uh, how does that feel to be recognized amongst your peers and, and people that enjoy hot sauce? What does that feel like for you? It's, it's awesome. Uh, we didn't have many expectations for the New York show because that was one of our first shows, uh, 2019. Um, and it was great. Uh, they made fun of us. They, they said another company from Pennsylvania. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, <laughs> all right, I think we got it. And then, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. They, uh, it, it, you know, people get real excited about it. it there's a lot of people that enter and very competitive, very competitive. Yeah. So a second place, our first year was great. That's wonderful. And, and it's a real testament to your craft and what you're doing. And it's great to be recognized for sure. Yeah. Sure. Fiona, what are we looking at next? <laughs> so this is our final. I mean, we, we we have had the ginger one, so yeah, we're <laughs> we're back to just jalapeno. Uh, this one is one of our top favorites, personal favorite, sales customer favorite, and we call it our smoky Louisiana. There's not a lot to it. It's also our most basic sauce. Sorry, that one really got me. I know, you, you had to like vacate the room for a while. So I, I, I have to edit my cough out. <laughs> it just went down the wrong yeah. windpipe. Look, if, if, if the hot sauce gets you, then I feel okay if it gets me too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for making us feel welcome. You staged that whole thing. <laughs> so uh, the firehouse garlic is about... 85% pepper mash. And all we really add is garlic, vinegar, and Chipotle. the chipotles. That's it. It's our easiest sauce to cook. Uh, the consistency, you'll see it's a little less thick than some of the other sauces because there isn't that thickening agent. But it just goes well on everything, especially pizza. Oh, pizza. Yeah. Now, we met at the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Yeah. We met at the beer festival down there. It was our last public, you know, festival. The beer it was like the second week of March, oh, yeah. and that was the last time that you know we've been to a beer festival. And how is this? How has COVID been for you in terms of sharing your products? I mean, you've you've been in the public eye for a couple of years, so you obviously already have a following. How has COVID affected your business? Um, it's been interesting. We've had a couple of shows more recently now that things have relaxed um, where people come out. And you can tell they were browsing the, the website beforehand. They definitely seem to be a little more familiar with it. I, I think people have been really looking for something to do. Well, especially as people are stuck inside more, or people are cooking at home more, or people are looking for varieties and variations to what they're making, yeah. looking for a hot sauce is perfect. Yeah. And just being able to take 
like you said, we can make a seafood stew now. We could put some hot sauce on um, on on ice cream now. I mean, there's so much we can do right now. Little hot wings, right? <laughs> Contest. Yeah, yeah. It, it's something fun that people get excited about. It adds a little bit of you know, I hate to say it, but spice to life. <laughs> when you get something <laughs> fun and unique to look forward to, you know, kids kids love it. They come back dare each other to eat the hottest one we have and it's been tough because we can't sample and it's a shame because they sell i mean it's good stuff well that's how we found you i mean first of all it's fermented so we had that interest and connection there but just sampling them and then with what we're doing today there's so much flavor there's so many layers of flavor. They're so they're so in, they're, they're, your sauces are interesting, and we have fun with them, and 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 just enjoy them. And when you say people can't sample right now, they're missing that kind of experience. But I would say, where at least our perspective and what we're sharing with you on a flavor profile here, but try them. You will not you will not be disappointed. If you like hot sauces or you're looking for flavor in a sauce, you won't be disappointed with any of these. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we sell pretty well, even at uh, markets where we can't give out samples. It's also one of those things that are a great gift. And nowadays with the popularity of hot sauce, even if you don't like hot sauce, there's someone in your family who does. So you're always thinking about, oh, my son loves it. I'll pick up some for him. Or, you know, my husband likes it. Let's get some for him. Um, Our sales have been pretty great. We started doing a lot of farmer's markets, which is something that we hadn't done much of before. Uh, We had previously done more entertainment events or hot hot sauce specific events. Um, Beer shows were really great because there's a bunch of beer, uh, but people want something a little different too. And they want to have a good time and they want to try something different and talk about it and joke about it. Uh, so that worked out really well. But uh, since COVID started, I think there was enough uh, engagement and exposure prior to that, that our online sales have been great. Yeah, that's why I've said that you have, you, you've been in the public eye long enough to where you have a following, to where people know who you are and you, you have that interest, um, where people know how to find you. Yeah. And we have a lot of repeat customers. We get orders from places that we've never been. We have no idea how they found out about us. And that's always really interesting. And, uh, you know, nowadays in this, there's just, you can buy anything online. I always find it to be such a huge marker of, you know, success, interest, popularity, that someone will think of you, get online, scroll to the page, put in their information, and actually buy it from your web store. I mean, that means a lot to us. Now, so. you can, you, you just so you know, those who are listening to the podcast, um, United States, worldwide, you can ship anywhere in the world right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, international shipping is challenging. Okay. But your rates, your shipping rates might be a little high, but yeah, we've done it. We can do it. Uh, and we can definitely ship anywhere in the country. Um, we have a great web store. Easy to navigate. Now, you also, I know when we were checking out the cave, you talked about doing a bottle set. So now you're going to have something for the holidays ready to go? Yeah, we're trying to put something together that's a little more, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like classy. Something. <laughs> something that because what you were doing, Shane, wasn't classy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I see you. 
can I tell you something? I love the label. So whoever designs the labels, and you talked about the calligraphy or the the, the artwork on the on the fractured name. Um, so that that's that's really stands out as well. But you're putting together this this bottle. I guess hey, for somebody that likes for for the holidays or or as a gift set, you're putting together something. Yeah, we're gonna have options. Uh, we're gonna have a standard. Uh, extra hot version and a standard mild version, um, but they're going to be in the five ounce bottles. Um, something really nice that you can see the labels, and then hopefully a, a descriptor on the back that outlines who we are and what comes in each set. Um, and then we'll also have options that you can put in whatever. So if you want to customize your your gift set, I mean obviously if people are ordering. From you, you you have some leeway, but you'd prefer, hey, this is the set we're creating. You know, buy these as 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 we're packaging them. Yeah. By the way, the first thing I got when tasting that was just a nice smoky chipotle flavor. You do get some garlic on on the palate, but that's really nice too. Yeah, yeah. that one's that one really highlights the uh, the aged mash, and uh, you know, it's it's unique. It's uh, it's something that. Uh, we try to highlight in just discussing our sauces, but uh, that's really where it, it uh, speaks volumes. Out of all the ones we had, I think that, you know, we, we, last time we, we talked about making a Bloody Mary mix. Oh, yeah. Selfishly, that's my own desire for you oh, yeah. right now. Um, but I would say that in a Bloody Mary, just to kick it up a little bit and to give a smokiness, that that's the that's where I would go with that. Yeah. Yeah. People hear Bloody Mary and they get real excited. So yes. <laughs> you guys ready to try? Yeah. Too? Let's do. Well, we've done the ginger. All right. And we we we've we've almost polished off a half a a bottle already in a couple of weeks. So right. we're doing good with that. But let's go to the hottest one. All right. Hot shiitake. Hot shiitake. Mm. Yeah. Like the name. I know people love the name. <laughs> in this case, we were really just going for the ultimate savory experience the umami bomb so it's shiitake mushrooms a bunch of other roasted vegetables um tomato carrot there's sun-dried tomato in here so all of these really intense savory flavors and i don't want to slate the haunted the, the the twisted ginger that you do right um but with that one we do get a lot. You get a lot of spice from the ginger. You get a lot of spice from the the, the peppers you're using. That's really that was a surprising one. How how spicy that was. It is. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, we're like addicts on that. It, it's like no, I want a little more. No more. Um, yeah, it hurts so good. <laughs> we, we've we've used that with um, some ribs, some pulled pork, oh, nice. some chicken, things like that. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 unique. Each pepper has its own kind of personality i guess when when it it takes its time or habaneros are real forward this one uh the hot shiitake has a nice slow build so it starts off nice and easy but the more you eat flavor the the hotter and hotter yeah and this is the one that if you eat too much especially on an empty stomach this could be a dangerous hot sauce Oh, I have an empty stomach now, and you're telling me. <laughs> well, that's not a lot. That's a little taste. But we. Where also... was the disclaimer before I tried it? <laughs> we put the equivalent of a full Carolina Reaper pepper in every bottle. That's really good. So you get that heat, that full, uh, you know. It's starting to creep up more and more. Hotter pepper experience, but 
the flavor makes it worth it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I might disappoint some really, and you meet them too, some hot sauce people, where the goal is just to create, is it the Covell? What, what's the scale? Scoville. Scoville. Well, I, I would say that if my mouth wasn't a little tingly, <laughs> but the Scoville scale, I mean, it, it's, it's like, how hot can we make this? And that sounds like a lot of fun. And, and I know that that's what people would gravitate to. It's like, you know, how hoppy can I make this IPA? Yeah, taste it. Right? Yeah. But there's so much flavor in your hot sauces. You're getting the, you're getting the hot experience. Trust me, again, my, <laughs> my, my head's nice and shiny now. You can see it on your nose. Yeah, it's, it's there. This is wonderful, but you get flavor. You get, it's interesting. It's, it's a conversation to have versus how hot can I make this? Yeah. And that's a tribute to you guys. And uh, in the hot sauce industry right now, um, one of the big pioneers for the hot peppers was the creator of the Carolina Reaper. And he's a pepper grower in uh, North Carolina. And he, the Carolina Reaper was in the Guinness World Record as the hottest pepper. This was years ago. Since then, he has developed numerous varieties that are even hotter than the Carolina Reaper. And then uh, there's a whole wave of, you know, powders and tinctures and just concentrations of that heat. So if you want to go super hot, you can. The challenge is to get the heat and maintain the flavor and try to keep that balance. Yeah, Fiona, I think that's key. And I don't want to harp on my own personal feelings about it, but we just tried nine out of nine, 10 different hot sauces and they're all unique and they're all flavorful and they're all fun. Thanks. They really are. So, I mean, kudos to what you're doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we get back to a place where people can sample these and you can have that dialogue and interaction and just the experience that I think this is this is best suited for. But right now, if you're looking for a really good hot sauce, something like you said, Fiona, I mean, some you may not like hot sauce, but you know somebody in your family or friend, coworker that likes hot sauce. This is this is definitely on the hey, I gotta try it. Just I, I heard this on a podcast, I went to their website, this is definitely something you want to try. Why, thanks. Yeah, that's what we're going for. And um, uh, it's helping first-generation small farms. So if, <laughs> if that's the only thing that you get out of it, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, good, it's a good cause. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the future of Fractured? I mean, I know, Shane, you said, listen, I, I want to be 15 years into this. I want to, this, this is a long play. I, I don't want to be burned out. But What's when you guys kind of put your heads together and dream a little bit or plan a little bit? What what is fractured sauce? What does that look like for you down the line? Well, with uh, this kind of product, there's always the possibility of getting really big, uh, saying being picked up by a supermarket chain or something like that. The downside of that is that you uh, your production. There's an expectation that you so need much. to have. Yeah, certain, your production right. has to be so much higher and your margins get a lot lower. So uh, while we, you know, we love to get broader exposure, we want to stay in that sweet spot. We're not necessarily racing to sell on Amazon because we like the local interaction 
we like, you know, we started as being local farmers and we still believe in that concept. Um, we like the idea of building community with our product and we're in such a great spot. We're within three hours of some of the biggest cities in the country. So we have that range of interaction and exposure. Um, there is so much of the market that is untapped and especially, you know, hopefully over the next few months as things open up a little more, maybe a year from now. Well, well I'm putting it out there. Um, <clears throat> if you want something to uh, ward off COVID, this is it. <laughs> yeah, Fractured right? sauce. I think it's a, it's a health potion. But and, so and, and that. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I know my sinuses are now open, so that'll work. Yeah, and ginger is very good for ginger, turmeric, all kinds of different things. Garlic, garlic. Yeah, I think we're onto something. I I think the World Health Health Organization needs to adopt the sauce. (laughs) What what do they call it? Snake oil? Uh, No, (laughs) snake oil is fake. (laughs) So obviously, what I heard you say there is it's a controlled growth. You want to enjoy the process. You don't want to feel like you're just living to put bottles on the shelves. It's really about, hey, it's the growth, it's the interaction, it's sharing with people and just enjoying the experience along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of hot sauce producers that uh, basically all they do is come up with a recipe and then take it to a co-packer. Gotcha. And so all that production is covered. Uh, It's probably a simpler way to go about it. But uh, (laughs) we're not opposed to doing that in the future with some of our sauces or having a line that goes in that direction. Or just pay somebody to clean the dishes. That would be great. (laughs) Um, But I think this hands-on experience, especially in the first few years of building the product, of being so intimately involved with every step of the process, um, knowing our ingredients so well, has been very valuable. And yeah, we have met other producers who went a larger route really quickly and they suffered in terms of their quality and they actually went back. So we're, we're working on our new kitchen. Um, we're going to be hopefully getting approval to build that very soon. And so once we get that up and running and approved, then we're going to have a larger smokehouse. We're going to have our um, canning and other bottling uh, operations up and running so that we can do more stuff like relish. Will that be something where we open like a, like a tasting room where you have people be I'd able love, to do some retail there? Yes. So That'd be fun. It would be. This fun. way people can come to you and then you can actually control, hey, like we did today. Here, taste this, try this. That would be great. Yeah, Pennsylvania has actually been very supportive of uh, local small farms recently. They just passed some laws that allow... Uh, a farm retail operation to sell beer and wine um, as long as a certain percentage is um, from local producers. Um, so we're, we're exploring it. I don't know how it's going to work with parking. You know, it, it, that is something that we'd love to do in the future. Um, and we do get a lot of people that want to come out and see the farm and pick peppers and be a part of it. So um, agritainment is growing Agritainment. Yes. Yeah. People like to see where uh, their food or dairy or you know comes from, and it it uh, it's engaging. They that's something that builds long term customers who will go out there and preach about your your product, and it, it's it's something that you know if we can do this with a group of people and have a hot sauce making uh, demonstration, and then 
grill some, you know, some brats out in the backyard and, you know, watch the sunset. It'd be, it'd be great. And I'd love to do that. We just got to, you know, one step at a time. I love the picture you just painted. Why aren't we doing that now? Sounds fun, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and also, I, I, like I said, I got into farming because I wanted to learn to grow my own food. Uh, I am a huge believer in the quality of life benefits of interaction with nature, growing even some of your own food, even if it's a tiny herb garden, even if it's some flowers on your patio. There's something really satisfying uh, and just calming and, you know, peace of mind. It's so healthy in so many ways. Um, I've taught gardening to summer, uh, summer camp kids and just seeing them light up, light up with learning new information. A lot of them have no idea like how this vegetable grows or what that is. Uh, I think, I think right now, Fiona, I mean, as, like I said, people are home more. And having the ability to grow your own food or be one with the, the, the food you're growing, I think is going to be even more important. Yeah. And we've seen that. Um, I work at a greenhouse part-time and their business this year has been through the roof. Uh, we saw that with, you know, the popularity of making sourdough bread, just having that direct physical contact with your, with the creation of your sustenance is something I think that's hardwired in us as humans and it's just really adds to quality of life in huge ways. So if we can share that with people, if we can spark some interest um, by having them over and giving them some exposure to a, to a working farm, to plants in nature, that's definitely something that we'd like to do. So we've sparked some interest today. Hopefully, where are people going to find you? Um, you can find us on our website, uh, www.goshrun.farm. Goshrun, G-O-S-H-R-U-N? Yes. Okay. And then if you if you search fractured sauces, uh, fractured with a K, it's, you'll find it on Google. I mean, it, it comes right up. It'll um, be, you'll be redirected, yeah. Uh-huh. You'll find you. Oh, yeah. You'll be able to find <laughs> I have to say, for Dawn and I... This is our fermented adventure. This is really... I've been thinking about this all day. Like, what's what's this... I, this has exceeded our expectations. This has been fun. You guys are great. Um, people need to, to meet you, get to know you, really, as we've been impacted by you. I mean, there, there probably are a few things that we don't have a fractured sauce on the table when we're eating. So you become part of our table, become part of the table for other people. We're grateful for your time. Can't wait to see the new space when it comes up. And uh, see all the new. Um, I'm I'm waiting for the Bloody Mary mix. Um, I'm waiting for the bourbon barrel aged whatever hot sauce. So I, I'm throwing some things out there. I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.